What's going on, guys? AJ here back again with another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. Um, I have a few episodes here today, and um, I want to I want to say something here because it's something that um, I'm a little bit self conscious about. Um, about uh, let me see, about 11 years ago, um, I'll be very vulnerable and transparent about it. I was in a little bit of an altercation, and um, and uh, my jaw was broken. And for some reason, this weekend, this past weekend, when I was rooting for Conor McGregor, who did not win, um, I screamed very loudly uh, multiple times. And I think I, I don't want to say I rebroke my jaw, but I believe I restructured my jaw to a point where I have a little bit of a lisp now that is uh, a bit annoying. So if you guys hear me kind of put a couple extra, I even did it right there, a couple extra S's on certain words, it's because my mouth is actually in a weird place right now. So um, I don't know, just wanted to say that, probably just vulnerable and a little bit self-conscious about that. But I want to talk about three things today. I want to talk about, um, actually, the the topics are really long, so I'm not even going to give you just the macro things, but just know there's three things that I want to talk to you guys today about. Um, a lot of them are going to be around um, roles, or a lot of them are going to be around internal communications as a founder, and a lot of them are going to be around um, just employee experience at a high level. And as always, you know, this is for um, this is for startups, uh, small businesses, and you know anyone that's kind of playing in that space. Um, this is for you guys. And so here's a few thoughts. Uh, I'm going to try to be very clear because, and, and, you know, again, to be vulnerable, even as I talk, it's so annoying to hear my even self, like putting a couple extra S's on these words. And so again, please bear with me. Um, I uh, am not used to this, so I'm going to try to figure out what I need to do moving forward uh, to get this corrected. So anyway, moving forward, here's a couple thoughts. First and foremost, 50-50 blend when expecting um, employing accountability. Now, what do I mean by that? I believe at a human level, we were not taught as children to be super accountable. I just believe that's a macro fact. I just do. I don't necessarily know why I do. I just believe that's true. I, I've seen it throughout life with my friends. I've seen it throughout life with family members. I've seen it throughout life within celebrities, within just the macro universe of life, right? And as I became a leader, and as I became to either employ people or be a leader of people, I started to realize that employ and, and, and employees as well. And so when I say accountability, what I'm talking about is a lot of leaders, a lot of founders, a lot of CEOs, a lot of managers, we often want to see proactive employees. And what do I mean by that? We want to see self-starters, employees that are just going out of their way to answer questions, to solve problems, to put themselves in the best positions to win. And that's what we want out of an employee. We want that out of an employee. We expect that out of an employee. And I'm here to tell you that 
if that is going to be something you expect, then based off the macro number of human beings in this world, you are going to be disappointed. Now, you're probably scratching yourself to say, dude, I don't just I don't agree with anything you're saying right now. I'm probably going to turn this off. So let me get to the punchline. When I say 50-50 blend of expecting and supporting employees around the accountability journey, because I believe it's an, I believe it's a journey. I believe as a human being, it is a you, you know, you hear Gary Vee talk about this all the time. I believe as a human being, it is a journey to become accountable, to be accountable, to be honest with yourself about your accountability issues, to admit to the world and to admit to yourself that you are always looking to your right and your left for answers. And so for me, when I think about employee experience, and then when I think about employees, and when I think about leadership, I think about a few things. Number one, I believe that it is my job to show them what accountability looks like in a very coaching format. So how do I do that? I need to show it within myself. I just did it this weekend. This weekend, I made a very big mistake that I genuinely believe will cost me a business, will cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Let me just be very transparent about that. And I am fully accountable for everything that I did in that situation that caused me to be in the place that I'm in. Now, I didn't have to tell myself that. I had a mentor tell me that. I was telling the story of everything that I've been going through. And he pointed out that I was being accountable. And I really respected that. And and it got me thinking, and that's how this topic came along today. Because it really got me thinking about what accountability looks like, the journey it the journey along the path of how I got to become accountable and to become self-aware. And so for me, I came up with, again, two high-level perspectives. Number one, human beings are just genuinely not that accountable. Like, we do not like to raise our hands and say, I fucked up. I messed up. It was me. We typically like to blame others. Or we typically like to be led. That is the reason why there are so many, there there are not many CEOs. There's the reason why there are more employees than there are entrepreneurs. It's because a lack of accountability, a lack of ownership. Yet, as leaders, we say so many times that we want to see our employees become more accountable, take more ownership. I believe that needs to be taught. And so for me, when I say 50-50, I believe it is the employee's responsibility to be open-minded enough and aware enough to raise their hand. And this is a small act of accountability to say, you know what? Over the last 29 years of life, over the last 42 years of life, over the last 37 years of life, I have not been that accountable. And I don't know how to be accountable, but I want to stop that today. I want to be accountable to myself. I want to be accountable to my work. I want to be accountable to you. I want to be accountable to this organization. I want to be accountable to my, to my fellow employees. I want to be accountable to, 
just the macro world of what we are doing in life. And it takes an employee to raise his or her hand and say that. And so that's the 50 on their side. They have to be open enough to say, I, 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 I need to be led. I need support. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have all the answers. That is a version of accountability. That is a version of self-awareness. And if you have that in anybody that you're leading, you're in a really good spot. You're not in a really good spot if you're expecting those that you have within your organization to already have those skills. Now, should we all desire to have those type of employees? Yes, we should. But is that the reality of life? No, it is not. Should we fight very hard within our recruiting processes and within our interviewing processes to try to find that? Yes, we should. But is that the reality of life? No, it is not. And I need you guys to hear me very clear through my lisp right now, and I'm struggling right now to understand that. Number one, that's number one. The other 50% that I alluded to a little bit already is it is our responsibility to lead. It is our responsibility to unpack and establish what it looks like to be accountable at this organization. What it looks like to be accountable to your work. What it looks like to be accountable to raise your hand and say you do not know. What it looks like to be accountable to mistakes. What it looks like to be accountable to successes. What it looks like to be accountable to wins. What it looks like to be accountable to losses. What it looks like to be accountable at a macro, at a micro, what it looks like to be accountable. And so that means every single leader within the organization listening to this right now, you guys have to all have gone through that journey of being accountable. And if you haven't, then I would raise my hand as a leader and say, maybe I need to step down for a moment and find me a little bit of accountability. So the point that I'm trying to make is 50-50 blend of an employee being accountable enough to say, I don't know how to be accountable. I do need to be led. I have not at all times in my career raised my hand and took blame. You need to have those employees that are willing to be that vulnerable. And then the other side, and I'll pat myself in the back here, you need to have those employees, those leaders that say, you know what? I've messed up a lot in my career. I've messed up a, a lot in this in this organization right now. But I'm going to take full ownership of everything that I do and every decision I make and everything falls on my back. Wins, losses, middle ground, everything. And when you can create that level of transparency and when you can be that direct with everyone, you have a lot of good because you are an example. And when you are an example, now you can look at them and say, you see what accountability looks like. All I'm asking you to do is meet me halfway and say that you're willing to go down this path with me to become better, to become more accountable. So that's number one. Number two is restructuring a role versus firing. 
This is something I've talked about a lot in this in this podcast, but not so much recently. There's probably 10 or 15 episodes within the 250 plus that I talk about this. And it's something that I think a lot of organizations are messing up around and, and messing up on, and especially startup organizations, and especially small businesses. So what do I mean? I believe that small businesses and startup organizations are going through a few things. If they're VC-backed or angel-backed or private equity-backed, they are are under a microscope. And when you're under a microscope, it puts a lot of scrutiny on every single decision that one makes. It puts an extra level of pressure on every single thing within the organization. And that pressure usually comes to the leader, the founder, the CEO. And then that pressure starts to trickle down a little bit. And it trickles down to executives. It trickles down to managers. It trickles down to supervisors. It trickles down to individual contributors. And so instead of the accountability thing, instead of a founder raising his or her hand and saying, you're a good guy, you're a good gal, you believe in this work, you believe in this, in this, in this company, you believe in me, I respect the, head out, the hell out of that, I'm going to reward that by having deep contextual one-on-one meetings to really understand how we can restructure your role here to make it contextually beneficial and exciting to you personally, while also putting us in a good spot to get the best of you. Because right now we're not getting the best of you. And I need to see more startups do that instead of fire. Because I'm looking at a lot of startups right now and I'm seeing a lot of new hire churn. Three months, 45 days, two weeks. And it's because of the pressure and I get it. And I get it. But for me, when I think about this work, and when I think about what it means to be a leader, and when I think about what it means to operationally run a company, restructuring needs to happen a lot more. Creating and finding win-wins. I'll give you a practical example. You have someone that is in your people operations department, and you thought they were a great recruiter and you thought they were great at employer branding. And those are two out of seven things you needed. Now, granted, those are two very important things that you need more than the other five, but they're not good at those things. And you being a leader of the organization, you're not in the mindset due to the pressure you're being put on that's being put on you from VC to go through the learning and development process. You don't have three months. You don't have six months. But that person is bought in. That person loves the culture. That person loves the company. That person loves the industry. That person is a really good guy or gal. That person is willing to bust their ass every single day. 
what should you do? In most scenarios, organizations will do this. They will say, we're going to fire this person. We thought they were going to excel at these two things. We need these two things. They're out. We need to plug someone back in. We do not have the capital to reallocate, to bring somebody else in, to do what I thought they were going to do. And I beg to differ. Now, do those tangible things still need to get done? Yes, they do. And we're not even going to go down the rabbit hole of how you can get those things done. It is black and white. You need someone to do great recruiting. You need someone to do great employer branding. I get it. But what if that person is great at, what if that person is great at employee coaching? What if that person has a certain level of respect and 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 flexibility and just relationship capability with executives where they, they they're really able to punch through and change manage and get things done? What if they have a really good background within your industry and they can articulate that to incoming talent, thus they're great at the onboarding process of the recruiting process? Like I said, what if they're great at the other five things, but they're just not great at the two? And they love your culture, they love you, they love everything. Restructure the role. Reposition the role. That may mean paying them less. That may mean they don't have as much of a decision-making power. That may mean their impact is not as visible. And obviously, there are some conversations you would need to have with that person to make sure the win-win is there, and they even want to have that. But at least give them the opportunity to restructure. Too many companies are going directly into fire. Last thing. Operationalize every six months a Q&A with your staff to give your staff the opportunity to unpack the following. Politics, bureaucracy, rules, regulations, manager norms, conflicts, leader, leader issues, lack thereof of capability from leaders, things that are slowing employees down, Every six months, I believe it is incredibly valuable, again, around bureaucracy. I'm probably pronouncing that word wrong due to my list here. I'm sorry. Rules, policies, regulations, manager norms, things that are pissing your employees off, slowing them down. I believe every six months now. Granted, you should have pulse meetings, you should have a lot of moments, but at least every six months, you really sit down and you unpack these things in detail. And coming out of that, you really make plans to make changes and respond. Because what I like and I don't like about pulse interviews is it creates a moment where you can really get down and understand at a macro level what's happening in real time. But I know what happens in startups. You're creating those pulse meetings and those pulse interviews, and you're collecting that data because it's really important data to, to understand. But very small percentages of your managers are really going to be able to make that behavior change 
on the dime, on the spot, in real time. And so for me, at least twice a year, I like to bake out long periods of chunky periods periods of time where managers can really go through the process of really understanding where the employees are coming from, what's slowing them down, what red tape is there that does not need to be there, what policies need to be changed, what manager norms need to be changed, what rules need to be changed, what leaders can be doing better, and really go through the process of behavior change. I believe that's key. I believe that's needed. And again, twice a year. And you really give the managers and the employees and everyone enough time to unpack the data and really get deep to make real change. Real, real, real behavior change. That takes time. That takes significant conversations. That takes a lot of good work, a lot of hard work. And if you can do that, I believe a lot of good can happen. I really, really, really do. And I believe pulse interviews are really great. I believe quarterly conversations are really great. I believe one-on-ones are really great. But at least twice a year, you commit to your employees to give them and hold that space for them to really go in deep. And you commit as an organization that at least twice a year, you are genuinely going to build out operations and processes and tasks and next steps post that meeting to actually make the behavior change. Not to say that you're not going to make minimal changes throughout the year, but at least twice a year, you're really going to leave those conversations and really get some shit done and really get better and really remove red tape and really remove some unnecessary rules and really listen to your employees. Just a few thoughts. Done ranting now. Thanks a lot, guys.